Hear now this reading from Paul's epistle letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. Listen now for a word from our Lord. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what it is, the hope of which, the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe? According to the working of his great power, God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Not long ago, I received an envelope in the mail, and on the front, stamped in big red letters, it read, you already won a valuable prize. Details inside. Now, you know, if you've ever received one of those envelopes and you've opened it yourself, that indeed, you have won a valuable prize, any number of them. We can get away for two, or a set of golf clubs, or an expensive watch. And all you have to do to claim your valuable prize is just set through a brief, just a paltry presentation about mm, flipping real estate, or lakefront property, or timeshares in Florida, and then the valuable prize is all yours. We have a family friend who actually goes to those seminars. Um, It's kind of a game for him, to be honest. He never buys anything, but he has quite a collection of valuable prizes. Once, in pursuit of an expensive set of golf clubs, he sat through a multi-hour pressure fest about some sort of retirement investments. Well, he got the golf clubs, yes, but a salesman literally followed him all the way to his car and then bombarded him for weeks with telephone calls and emails. Friends, I don't know about you, but even if those golf clubs were made out of solid gold, I wouldn't put myself through that kind of misery. So, given the history of the phrase, I hesitate to say this to you, but you have already won a valuable prize. And you don't have to sit through a seminar to claim it. Additionally, it's better than even solid gold golf clubs. It's the hope and the power and the glory of God and Jesus Christ. And all you need to do to claim it is open the eyes of your heart. Because it's right here all around us. It's in the church, which is Christ's body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, Paul's words on their own are very powerful, but that power is multiplied when we consider the context in which they were written. Y'all know that 
Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians when he was in jail. Y'all know that, right? He was in prison when he wrote this letter. He was nearing the end of his earthly ministry. He was nearing the end of his earthly life, and it wasn't an especially glamorous ending. But then none of it had been especially glamorous. Paul had been subjected to terrible things. He had been taunted. He had been shipwrecked. He had been beaten, he had been arrested, and he had been jailed, but none of that really seemed to matter that much to him. It certainly didn't deter him. No, nothing seemed to matter to Paul as much as sharing the gospel, as telling what he knew, that the hope and the power and the glory of God in Jesus Christ is real. That presence is at work in the world, it's transforming the world, and and Paul believed that nothing could stop it. Not death or life or angels or rulers or principalities or things present or things to come or height or depth or anything else in all creation. And he wanted all of us so desperately to share that vision with him. He wanted us to see that hope and that power and that glory of God in Jesus Christ. So he prayed that the eyes of our hearts would be open to see it. Because he knew we wouldn't be able to claim that most valuable prize with our earthly sight. We would need the eyes of our hearts to see that glory. When our daughter Ellen was in seminary at Northwestern, she went to Garrett up there in Chicago. She got a job as a part-time youth director at a United Methodist Church in the North Shore area, if you're familiar with that great city. It was a historic church, beautiful church, large church campus with an equally large youth area, well-equipped. The saints of that church had built all of that years and years before because they had this vision of generations of young people coming to the faith in that church. They had hopes for generations of fruitful youth ministry there. On her first Sunday, then Ellen walked into this cavernous youth space and found that she had a youth group of three. And the first thing she said to herself was, well, I've just got to grow this. I've got to grow this. So she spent months throwing events and meeting with parents and showing up in places around town like coffee shops trying to show that she was cool enough for young people to come to her church. And none of it worked. None of it worked. She started to feel discouraged and then even hopeless. She wondered if that church needed a youth pastor at all. And then one day she sort of hit rock bottom after throwing another event that was not fruitful. She went into one of those empty Sunday school rooms there at that church and shut the door and just cried. She said she cried for those three students because she loved them and she wanted better for them. She knew they deserved more. And she cried for the saints of that church who had sacrificed so much, had had so many hopes and dreams for ministry with young people, and she cried for our denomination that loves young people, that cares about young people, that 
desperately wants to include young people and yet so many times just doesn't seem to be able to reach young people. And then she went home and she called one of her mentors, an older woman who had been in youth ministry in that area for decades, and she just poured her heart out to her. She told this mentor about the three students and all the events she was throwing and how nothing was working and how hopeless she was. And in the midst of all of that, the woman stopped her and said, Ellen, 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 Ellen. What do you think would happen if you started seeing your youth group less as a problem that you were trying to solve and more as three miracles that are showing up week after week. And then she challenged Ellen to pray for that, to give thanks every day for those three kids, and to pray that she would see things that way, that she would see the miracle. So Ellen said she began to pray like that every single day, and it changed everything. It changed everything. More and more, she was able to see this small group of students as an opportunity to do creative youth ministry, to try new things that God put on her heart. And more and more, she was able to see God at work in the lives of these kids, transforming their hearts. She was able to see how they were becoming a group of real Christians. And by spring, the group had grown they gained one student. Hey, that's a big percentage increase. And you would have thought they won the lottery, Ellen said. Because that's what happens when the eyes of your heart are opened and you can see the hope and the power and the glory of God at work. The confirmation day for those four kids was high and holy for that church. It was a day of joy and meaning, unlike anything they'd known for a really long time. The hope and the power and the glory of God. It's all around us, friends. It is in the church. When we open the eyes of our heart, it's like the light goes on and the darkness is driven out. And we can see the truth. We can see God at work. We can see the miracle and it will change everything. Now look, I don't want y'all to think I'm up here as Pollyanna in a robe because I see the problems in the church. I see them. The church is not perfect. Lord knows, it is not. We bring all of who we are into the congregation, into the community. We bring our issues, our brokenness, our humanness. We don't always get along. We don't agree on everything. Sometimes things don't go the way we want them to go. Sometimes we're grumpy with each other, and sometimes we're just really unkind. But there's so much more here than that. If we open the eyes of our heart to see the hope and the power and the glory of God, it is here. Christ is with us. We just need to cooperate with the work of God in our heart to see.
It's here in the young couple that comes to visit our church on a Sunday morning. They've just recently married. They don't have any kids. They don't even know if they're going to have any kids. But they're building a covenant life together as married people. And they figure, you know what? Some spiritual component in that might be good. Now, they haven't been to church at all since they were kids. And they're nervous about visiting here. They don't know how we worship. They don't know if they'll be welcome. They don't know if they'll fit in. But they, they get up their courage and they show up on a Sunday morning. And you know what? You warmly welcome them. And someone makes space for them in the pew. And someone else invites them to a Sunday school class. And they get involved and they make friends. And before they know it, they realize they've, they found their faith home. That this place, with you, is their home. And that glorious present in the older gentleman with recurring cancer who's been told he has a short time to live, and the congregation, you, you surround him and his wife. And you pray for them, and you take them casseroles, and you visit him in the hospital, and you walk the whole journey all the way to the end. And even at the funeral, you don't let go because a Stephen minister from our church sits with her during the service and holds her hand the whole time. And it's here on Christmas Eve, and that woman who comes and sits in the very back against the wall. She tries so hard to be as small as possible so no one will notice her. And when it comes time to receive Holy Communion, she's really uncomfortable as she comes forward because God knows she thinks she doesn't deserve it. And what is a person like her doing in church anyway? But there's something about the Spirit here, about the words, about the hymns, about the prayers. And when she lifts her little candle to sing all is calm, all is bright, it is for her in her heart for the first time in a very long time. Maybe that's why you're here this morning. Maybe that's why you're here. Oh, you see the brokenness, you see the humanness, you see it all week, you see it here. But you think there's got to be more and you're hungry for it. Just a glimpse of that hope and that power and that glory. And you think if you can just see that, even for a moment, you can make it through the week. You can walk out that door with your head up. And maybe enough of that hope and power and glory of God in your heart to live on. Or maybe even share. Well, I could go on and on ad nauseum. However, I promised you that you did not have to sit through a lengthy seminar to claim your prize. Friends, it's right here. It's here for the seeing. It's here for the claiming. It will change everything for you.
if you will open the eyes of your heart. Let us pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for you are with us all the time. Your hope and power and glory surround us. Help us to open the eyes of our hearts to see it. To not get discouraged by problems in darkness, but to flip on that light and see you at work in the world. And to share that hope with others. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.